Hello and welcome into episode number seven of the Warriors of Lust podcast, the gayest, thirstiest show on Ethereus. By the way, seeing as we are now calling it that, we need to go ahead and give the warning that if you have not yet completed Endwalker, you need to make sure that you go finish up the Endwalker MSQ before continuing to listen to this episode because our spoiler embargo has been lifted. The welcome in, as always, I am the enemy of innocence, sucking way, Callie Page. I am the insatiable Jiraku Drake, who refuses to conform to the trend of naming myself after a space rabbit. And I am the temptress of fate, Serena Hima, also known as No Fucking Way. That's right. Welcome in to both of you. But we have a third person that we have to introduce today. Our very first guest here on the Warriors of Lust podcast. You may know her as a co-host of Aetherite Radio. You may know her as a streamer for Rainbow Arcade. She's an amazing content creator for both Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2. And of course, she is an all-around amazing, wonderful, and lovely human being. The one, the only, Rookery. Welcome in, Rook. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to let you all know, I really appreciate the intro, but you did miss a little bit of my information. Um, I would also like to be referred to tonight as Thirsting Way, if you could make sure that that name is added. Allow me, I will, I'll make sure to get that onto the docket there. Okay, Thirsting Way, Rookery. (laughs) You know, look, Step On Me Way, also good. If we want to go that way, I, I, it's hard to choose because the thing is, there are that two way. great loves of my life. So either one, I, you know, I think either one will work. Either one will work. I, I think she's going to fit in just, just right. <laughs> I love these. These are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about sexuality in Final Fantasy XIV and the presence of the LGBTQIA community in Final Fantasy XIV. And as far as NPCs go, where the hell are they? But first, I need to talk to you all a little bit about a brand new development we've had here at the Warriors of Lust podcast. That's right. It's merch. If you are out there trying to get some Warriors of Lust merch, maybe you want to get yourself a Jiraku t-shirt or a Warriors of Lust hoodie or a thirsty water bottle, we have it all. It is now available at streamlabs.com slash escalia slash merch. That's E-S-K-A-L-I-A. You can get all kinds of Warriors of Lust merch over there. And of course, everything uh, that you uh, purchase just not only helps spread the word of the Warriors of Lust, but also helps benefit the show as well. So make sure you check that out. Again, that's at streamlabs.com slash Escalia slash merch. All right, before we get in too far into talking about uh, uh, sexuality in Final Fantasy XIV, it is very important that we start where we always start, which is with the Thirst Down. Here at the Warriors of Lust podcast, we love, love, love to spread the word about some of the beautiful, wonderful, and thirsty denizens of Eorzea. And now, Aetheris. Uh, we've d- uh, developed quite a list over our first six episodes, uh, but today we add not three, but four new names onto the Thirst Down. And I think, as I look over this list, Serena, you're going to start us off tonight. I'm going first? You're okay. going first. Okay. <laughs> um, so I present to you all for my thirst down today, um, someone dearly beloved from Shadowbringers, which is <laughs> Lina or Lena. Lena, yeah. It depends so on how you want to pronounce it. Hey. <laughs> so listen, beloved, you know her name. Listen, I pronounce it different ways. I have an issue with pronunciation sometimes. Well, you also play in <laughs> Japanese too, so. <laughs> it's, it's true. I, 
It's true. I appreciate, I appreciate you covering all the bases because <laughs> many people pronounce these many different ways. And I think all of them are valid. You you say it the way you want to say it. I understand who everybody is talking about. <laughs> Good. Because when Jiraku tells me who he's talking about, I really have no idea. Um, so um, first of all, I think she has a really big heart. She gets very emotional at the very end, of course, when you're leaving and with Graha and everything like that. Um, I love her voice. I recently, uh, to Callie's persuasion, listened to her English voice. Yeah. Cause, so you, first of all, you <laughs> must have liked her Japanese voice to have yeah. picked her. But I, and then I was like, have you listened to the English voice? Because it is the most mouthwatering accent there's ever been. It's gorgeous. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I've loved her for, I've loved her since we met her. And then, of course, like, number one, she's a bunny. Like, Bunny no. is correct. Yeah, no, you are right on that one. Um, and yes, really, honestly, I'm disappointed that the other answers I see here aren't just also all bunny. So you did you a know, job on this one. I feel like there might be a small amount of bias going on. <laughs> what a, do you a mean? A little bit of a bias at play here. Yeah, because I, I hear a rumor that the Temptress of Fate, Serena Hema, uh, is not any longer a Zayla. No fucking way. Temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, my temp partaken in a potion and I am now a bunny girl. Um, which I'm equally as hot. That's not going to change. Well, I, I'm not. I would never uh, <laughs> criticize your hotness of it. Bunnies are very hot. I just, why do you not want to have any good emotes anymore? Ah, I like their emotes, but that's just me. I like their pose. Why do you not like headwear? I can wear my bows. I've literally only been wearing bows. Mm -hmm. I can actually see my fucking earrings, though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> they are on full display. Yep. All right. Well, I will say this about Lena. Uh, she was probably my favorite NPC character, not named Graha, in all of Shadowbringers. I loved mm -hmm. her so much. Uh, that accent gets me. And every time I have to see someone post a comic on Twitter that's got like <gasps> Lena crying because she misses the Exarch or like the Exarch raising Lena when she's a baby, yeah. I yeah. die. <laughs> I cry. Thing, it's funny because when I played through, a lot of people like I think immediately were, like gravitated to her, but I was so completely enamored of a few other figures in Shadowbringers that I didn't really give her the full credit she was due the first playthrough. I have to say, I have to admit, but given more time and so very many fan-made comics, I realized that I was really sleeping on something great here because she actually is amazing. And that cutscene with her in 5.3 where she's like saying goodbye to him, I oh. sobbed so hard i was crying so much i was like just take her with you <laughs> it's absolutely bro it really and it does make you like that the reminder that when we return to the first in endwalker how utterly crushing it is that we didn't get a single voice acted scene back on the first like no line no voice acted lines from reen no voice acted lines from lena and it's just oh brutal I do have to also say, though, that I want to give her some credit for, like, the thirst element in that she is also, like, all of the emotional stuff with Graha Tia aside, she is also a woman who knows her own mind. She is, like, very fierce and a protector. She's stalwart. She's true. The fact that she has taken on the responsibility of the Crystarium after mm -hmm. he's left. I mean, all those things make me just want to, like, curl up in her strong, powerful arms and just never leave. And I'll, I know I'll be safe. 
You know, but, I know I'll be protected. I'll be and looked not, out for. Not to mention, like, props for again serving as proof that you don't have to be scantily clad to be thirst worthy. <laughs> she is decked out in armor and she looks amazing in it. It works so well for her. It's a fantastic look. All right, Jiraku. Let, let's hear it. What, what, where, from where in the bowels of Eorzea are you delving to uh, pull someone out today? Well, I would just like to say that I have a 100% rate of every character I pick is the best. Right. And I'm going to continue that uh-huh. by picking for this week's Thirst Down, Anor. Who is that? Who? Well, Anor Cockburn is one of the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, which is oh. an organization you may have heard of. I have heard of that. We, you know who I haven't heard of is Anor Cockburn. They're kind of a big deal. They are. Bit. They are. Did you pick her because her last name is Cockburn? Yeah, I was like, can we no. talk about that last name for just a second? I just don't know no. how that would be a draw because that seems like that would be a negative of this situation. If <laughs> it's really lesbian. funny oh, to hear her yeah. talk shit on other people. You know, Burns, it's great. So what's great, oh my what I love most about Anor, okay, is one, she's got a really hot sister too. So, you know, you have that. You have the sister thing going on. Uh-huh. But then you also have that you know she's into that because she's also into both of the Boulder brothers. Okay. The, the Boulder... Like Hori Boulder and um, yeah, uh, what's the other one's and, name? And the other one, <laughs> the other who, one who's super important, and we all know the name of. I actually yeah. know the name because I had to look up who this character was. His name is like O C H E R Ochre. Ochre, okay. Yeah, um, she is the character. If you're unaware and listening to this, who is a side character that I highly recommend you go through the entirety of the game talking to as you replay through Final Fantasy fourteen because you're crazy like I am. Okay, I got a. I have a genuine question right now. Um, if I have finished uh, Endwalker, where I'm at, where is this NPC? Where do I go to talk to this person? I would assume she's in the Waking Sands still. Okay. Uh, I have no fucking idea because as soon as I ra- rolled credits on Endwalker, I started on a different character. <laughs> so I actually haven't walked around the world at all post Endwalker. <laughs> okay. You're crazy, but okay. Right. Hey, I have been posting screenshots of progress every single time I either uh, tell Emmett Selk to go fuck himself just before the Hades fight, or get my first picture in front of the old Charlian Etherite. And I made a pledge to post one a day every day that I spend doing leveling and stuff, and I have committed to that and kept that so far. So who's the crazy one now? It's it's you. Still it's you. for sure you. <laughs> All right, and by the way, I went to look up Anor Cockburn, and I see what's going on here. I, 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 I see right through you, Jiraku. Another bard slash archer. <laughs> bards, bards are hot. I don't make I, the rules. I just tell you about them. I can't disagree. I mean, <gasps> who, who doesn't want somebody there to sing you songs, to tell your legend? To be clever, I assume, and offer witty repartee. That's usually what bards are known for. But maybe this is a quiet bard. And maybe all of the songs and everything else, just very, like, intimate, introspective studies of people and places. I don't know. But either way, I think that anybody who's passionate about music and can also shoot a man straight through the eye from, you know, a couple yalms off, I think it's a good combo. It's powerful. 
All right. Well, I am, I am sure she's fingers. good at her. Yeah, I was. Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> what did you say? She's got Talented good fingering. Fingers. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm uh, Rook has actually sold me on this character better than Jiraku. So Rook, we're gonna have you come on from now on to to like pitch Jiraku's character. <laughs> you gotta back up Jiraku's characters because sometimes I'm like, where the yeah, absolutely. Did I mean, you pull these for. <laughs> I'd also like to add in that she has a very good amount of powerful thigh showing as well, and that's crucial. Just in case oh. anybody at home doesn't know, I would say it's a it's a it's a healthy amount of thigh. Yeah. All right. Anor Cockburn joins the Thirst Down against all odds. <laughs> Her name is killing <laughs> Anor Cockburn. That's it. I can't get over it. All right. Uh, for mine, I am going to uh, also uh, jump back through the annals of FF14 history to go back to the original Thirst target of this game, and that's going to be Shiva. Um I got a couple things. I was I was just doing Shiva Extreme again the other night, uh, and we happened to have a group for it. And we were going through the fight. We got to the middle section, and she chose me to, to to step on. And I had forgotten because I usually solo it how good it feels when Mommy Shiva picks you to step on. It makes <laughs> you feel like, oh, you, did you notice me, Mom? Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Um. She really was, I feel like, the first time this community just got shamelessly thirsty over a character. Like, obviously, there were people who loved Thancred, and there were people who loved Uriange. But again, we were in that 2.0, 2.x era where a lot of the Scions suffered from the voice acting not being the most stellar and the writing not yet being the most stellar. And Shiva, I feel like, was the first time where everyone just kind of universally agreed, yep, I'd be tempered. I... I take offense to that. Oh, really? What yes, is because Lady Amandine is right there. She's goth and has a mansion. What more do you want? <laughs> I want someone to step on me is what Callie's saying. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure she would. I don't believe that she would do as good of a job of it as Shiva, though, because here's the thing. She might lure you in. She might, you know, bring you into her blood murder house and then, like, hover over you to gently land upon you and crush you beneath her heel. But can she actually turn you into a frozen state, stand atop you, and then with the most icy daggery heels of all time, shatter you into a hundred pieces? A thousand? A million pieces? No, she. I don't think she can, is the thing. So I think I'm going to have to go Shiva, because I would like to be shattered by that woman. Yeah, exactly. Now, I am not... I am not at all arguing that Lady Amandine is hotter than Shiva. I take offense <laughs> at the word original. Uh, listen, here, here's the problem with Lady Amandine. You get how many lines out of her in the entirety of it? Like two? Yeah. She doesn't need to talk. That's fine with me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll admit that I went and looked up Lady Amandine and went, hmm. I, feel, I think I have a D&D character I'm playing that looks similar to this right now. Uh, told you. Yeah, she's, she's not bad, but I don't know that the, like, that I saw the entirety of the community rally around Lady Amandine like they did Shiva. I now, guess there are a lot of people out there that are wrong. And there's would, only one me. I would like to offer that there is at least one canonical, like in actual Final Fantasy 14 person who would agree with you and support you, Draco, on this. Because That's there true. is a guy that was really obsessed with Succubi that basically Please. just like wrote a short novel about how hot they, he, he thought they were and like went around uh, basically just like letting all this stuff happen from my understanding and then chronicling all the cool stuff that happened in this murder house and how hot Lady Amandine was. So 
Yeah, and that would have been me. I was like, <laughs> are you not sure it's Jirok? <laughs> might have I, been, it might have been. I think it, I think it probably was. All right. Uh, we'll add Sheev on Rookery as our first guest. The first time we have allowed someone to come on to the Warriors of Lust podcast and submit someone to the Thirst Down. Rook, we pass it to you. Who is to be uh, elected to the Thirst Down? This is this is really hard. I have so many that it's very difficult for me to narrow. Um, I give you a pick. Okay. Something a little more understandable and okay. that, you know, I think a lot of people will relate to. Or a real wild card. We all like right. wild, wild cards here. <laughs> Every time. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Twin Tanya. I like it. I'm already sold. <laughs> you got to say it. nothing less. Nothing more. <laughs> uh, are we talking about the dragon from T5? Correct. Okay. Just checking. All right. <laughs> Twin Tanya. Well, we, uh, I will turn it over to our resident monster fucker. Uh, Serena, take it away. <laughs> Don't want to take it away. I mean, yeah, she I wants it to it stick away. around. Yeah, stick around. <laughs> take Look, it away, Rook. Give us, give us your. I'm just saying, the dragons in this game are good, and I love their designs. And we know that they are sentient. They are their own race of people. I would argue yeah. they've got super cool magical powers. I mean, Vitra was a very close. If I was picking a dragon, it was going to be very close here, but I had to go with twin Tanya because I have always thought that her design was amazing. She has the classic tragic backstory imprisoned by the elegance, you know, basically turned into a, a, a tragic figure that you fight. Yes. But that maybe you can also love should you be able to free her and return her sentience like Tiamat. Uh -huh. And I just think she's cool, mostly. Um, I think all the dragons are good. And if you don't consider smooching the dragons in this game, then I don't know what's wrong with you. I think everybody needs to broaden their horizons because they speak a cool dragon language that they could whisper in your ear or, I don't know, boom across the mountains their eyeballs, you just pop one out, you take it with you, and then you've got a little bit of them with you everywhere. <laughs> it's like a token of love, and maybe you turn into them sometimes. I don't know. Well, like, it, it also, in the, in the Warrior of Lights case, it all makes you, also makes you a divinity on, on Aetherus. So, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good, good, good. You want a power couple, and I think this would be a power couple. You know what I mean? Um, Twintania, granted, we don't know much about her personality or who she was before she was turned into the monster that we face, but I always, always, from the get-go, loved when I got her as a mount, and I always wanted to know more about her story and who she was <laughs> as a dragon in this world. And I'm hoping that if we go to Maricidia, I'll find someone who knows and then be able to, I don't know, be just life mates with her forever, just for all the rest of eternity. I want to rapid fire three arguments in your favor. Okay. Uh, thing one, you definitely chose the right dragon because Midgard Stormer is a bitch, Nidhogg is dead, and Vritra's Mansona is a child. So no. good work. So good call, I mean, yeah. Also, Race of Elgar is into Vor, and or has not gotten over his ex. So I figured yeah. that one probably was also out of the running. Yeah, He's it was such I mean, a punk-ass loser that I, yeah, I wasn't was, even considering him. It was either Twintania or Tiamat. I mean, Tiamat is also good, but like, I respect that she has, you know, she carries that torch for Baja Blast. Of course, doesn't mean she couldn't also love me, but like, you know, she's got other things going on and she has a <laughs> lot of kids, yeah. like actual kids. 
Vitra is a very good boy and I do love him. And he, I would also consider him because I do agree with all the things that he's done that are so selfish or selfless and loving and wonderful. Um, I think he's great, but I don't know. Something about Tiamat just keeps calling me. So Tiamat. Or something if, about Twin keeps yeah. calling me. So Tiamat, if you have a mommy complex, Twintania, if you have a student complex, got it. I also, I also say points in her favor. Uh, you can't ride most of the other dragons around. The only other one you can ride around is Midgard Summer, and he's a punk ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, he's a punk ass bitch. You know, Just you know what? I I have a Twintania mount, and you're not wrong. All right, I like it. Our our first dragon to be added to the Thirst Down, uh, Twintania. So we will uh, let it be so. First is the correct word. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, that is it for the Thirst Down. Let us get into our topic of conversation this week. Uh, It is uh, a majorly important one and one that I've been really waiting to have since we started the show. But we also have some very important uh, topics that we had to do first. We're going to talk about sexuality in Final Fantasy XIV. And this is yet another one of those topics where um, I have a habit of doing topics where we could dedicate an entire season to it and trying to say, yeah, let's talk about it in 20 minutes. I I, I have something of an unfortunate habit of doing that. Uh, and sexuality might be the largest example of me uh, perpetrating that upon our listeners. However, uh, I, I didn't think it right to do an entire season of the show without talking about sexuality, uh, particularly in this game. Final Fantasy XIV is probably the most diverse game I have ever, the most diverse community, I should say, that I have ever been a part of in an MMO. And that, I mean, I've played Star Wars The Old Republic, I've played Star Wars Galaxies, I've played Lord of the Rings Online, I've played DC Universe Online, I've played FF11, of course, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been in other MMOs, World of Warcraft, none come even close to being as uh, LGBTQIA as Final Fantasy XIV? Or am I wrong? Does someone have a differing opinion on that one? I... Guild Wars 2. Uh, I, you know what? Admittedly, I haven't played Guild Wars 2. Rook, mm. you're an expert. Tell me about it. Guild Wars 2 and Elder Scrolls Online are two of the only games I can think of right now that have an overtly LGBTQIA plus, like canonically and explicitly uh, LGBTQIA plus like inclusive world. Um, I would say Guild Wars 2 takes it a little bit more because they actually have in the forefront their next expansion that's coming out this month, End of Dragons. Literally two of the featured characters that have been on all the promotional art are a canonical lesbian couple. And like they have been depicted as kissing in the game. They've been depicted <gasps> as like a full-on relationship together in the game. Um, it's, it's really wonderful and nuanced to see. And we also have our first agender character coming that's going to be featured in the expansion as well, uh, as well as just a ton of other diversity throughout the game. And ESO, while it does have a lot of different same-sex couples that you encounter and relationships and marriages that are referenced, it doesn't quite have that same spotlight on the main characters themselves. So that's why I put Guild Wars 2 a little bit higher. All right. So as I was saying, uh, final. Fa- uh, welcome to Warriors of Lust podcast, a Guild Wars Two podcast. I was gonna say you instantly sold Callie on that when you were like the forefront of this next expansion is a lesbian couple. Because if you just mention a lesbian couple, Callie's like, 
Yeah, I'm I'm in. In. I'm, it's, it's so true. No, so the other day, Robbie's trying to get me to play Apex Legends, and like, Robbie's been trying to get me to play Apex Legends for ages now. And finally, he's in my Discord server and just goes, uh, Weird Beer wants me to tell you that there's gay ladies in it. And I'm like, okay, well, when are people going to realize that if you open with that, I'll just play it? That's what I was <laughs> referencing because I definitely read that entire conversation. <laughs> It's so true. I'm such a sucker. Uh, but yeah, so uh, good to know. Uh, Guild Wars 2 and ESO. I have played ESO. I probably should have known that. Uh, also, very large LGBTQIA uh, communities. And what now kind of makes me mad hearing about Guild Wars 2 is actually where I want to start with this is as big as the LGBTQIA community is in Final Fantasy 14. I mean, at one time, it was a server. You know, everyone kind of knew Fairy was the LGBTQIA server. It has now grown into basically, like, it's all over the game. And, like, we've basically consumed most of Crystal Data Center at this point. Like, it is, this community is humongous, despite the fact that our representation in this game is lackluster. Especially compared to what we just heard. Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Props yeah. to Guild Wars 2 for that. I'll I mean, say. yeah, but I mean, unfortunately, it is a rarity, especially, I mean, less so, but as far as especially MMOs go, right? Either a lot of times you see that sexualities are just a topic they don't even want to really touch on, or yeah. you kind of see things shoehorned in in some way. And like, I totally agree with what you were saying at the beginning, Callie, that I do think that overall 14's world is not exclusive of the lgbt community but it definitely it could it could be better and there are so many ways that it could be better especially considering that like you were saying so many of the players are themselves lgbtqia plus or may even be part of a bigger community whether they're allies or you know friends or they themselves are and and that's where I started to look at it, you know, I always wanted to go as we were researching for this episode, I'm going through looking for confirmed LGBTQIA characters or, or couples. And your selection is, I mean, when the first when the maybe the most visible one that comes up are unnamed NPCs, unless I'm to believe that blundering treasure hunter and steadfast companion just happen to be their names. Uh, that like, that is probably the most forefront uh, gay relationship within the game and I, don't get me wrong we've we've seen some hints of of new ones i think uh if you played through and walker when we get to uh garlemald you definitely have some hints that perhaps sadu and serena maybe while well, not maybe with each other certainly would be willing to uh go either way they might be bisexual or in sadu's case i'm willing to bet very pansexual mm -hmm. um we also obviously we have the Reen and Gaia speculation, which is as close, I think, to a confirmed like main character relationship as Square Enix has ever let it get in this game. And that's what really got me to thinking. I, I don't know that Square Enix actually has an LGBTQIA relationship issue. I think they might just have a relationship issue. There are so few people that are in relationships in this game like you wonder if love is dead on a theorist <laughs> i think honestly i don't mind that as a direction for the story to take or like for the setting the way they portray the setting mm -hmm. and i think that while square enix's handling of relationships in general in ff14 is quaint and adorable when it happens um I do think that at the very least, they have a fantastic gender ratio of as far as representation for everything. They do. 
Um, I don't know any other game where you look at a Realm Reborn, all the leaders of every single city in a Realm Reborn is, are a woman. Yeah. Uh, you could argue that Raubon's in Ulda, but he explicitly works for Nanima. So like, right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even by the end of it, he's more a representative of um, Alamigo. Yeah. Well, now. Which is, by the way, run by Lise. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I think they have done purposefully. And Yoshida-san has mentioned in interviews in regards to just the relationship issue, right? No other, you know, connotations or things beyond that, that they have very specifically not ever written in romance for the player character and any characters. They've chosen to not, I think as well, depict many romantic relationships in any truly committed or canonical way as well because they want players to be able to have the flexibility to i mean form the relationships that they want but also as he said they don't want to limit the characters in the sense of like okay well if we write them into a relationship with the warrior of light then we have to try to meet some kind of expectation that all the players across the whole world with all of their different you know interests and identities and the things that resonate to them, you know, would somehow appeal to them. And, you know, he said, like, we, that's not really something we want to do for these characters. We want them to have their own independent stories, their own arcs, and to not have to be something where people would be like, well, that's not how, you know, Ishtola would behave if I was dating her, or that's right. not what Emmerich would say over dinner, or stuff like that. And so on one hand, I, I do get it. I understand why they wouldn't want to do that. But on the other hand, it is kind of strange in a world that's otherwise so well realized and so full of depth and in which relationships can have great and powerful meaning yeah and and that's really kind of what what stuns you when you look back because they have created this world that does feel alive it feels very much like a place where things are happening even though we've been stuck in the same 10 months for the last you know 10 years uh however in on the one subject of relationships and love specifically everything does feel a little bit stunted. It feels a little bit like that's just not a major part of the world, which is if if that's the story they want to tell, that's completely fine. I look at it, though, thinking like, how cool would a scene in Endwalker have been if they were at Ultima Thule, right? And we're doing the Endwalker sequence. We're making that final march up the, the, the rainbow staircase uh, and making our fi- that final march towards Medion. And you can shoot... Here's what they let you do. You either can take a moment where you need to like recover yourself and you stop to think about one of the scions of your choice or one of your love interests of your choice, or you could pick no one if you wanted to. Maybe your character is aromantic or asexual and it's not their thing. Or if you are eternally bonded, you can stop to think about your wedding partner. That would be cool. How, that would have been really cool. How cool and how much would it have added to that moment? Like they could literally, uh, you take the, the the wedding ring and when you are wearing it, it, it lets you think about your uh, eternal bonding partner. Uh, it just shows a picture of them in their wedding outfit. Like as you're like doing like your flashback thought, you think you'd think of someone waiting for you back home and keep marching forward. How cool of a moment would that have been? That would have been really great. And I... I have sat here for the past couple of minutes trying mm-hmm. to think up any kind of canon couple yeah. at all that ever appears in MSQ. And I've realized that I know of exactly one. Yep. Uh, and their baby almost turned into a monster. Well, we know of, I would say, t- 
two that would appear in MSQ. Um, Alice and Alphanot's parents. Okay, right. Yeah, okay. Emily's and and the bitch face. Me, but I think that Fortunal is such a terrible dad. It's so <laughs> unlikable. Well, they... he, he gets a face turn. Yeah, but like, what does it say that my go-to thought of parents <laughs> was the ones that don't make it over him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it's who you were going with. I but... didn't think I totally. It's a good point, though. Like, every time we do get a canonized couple in the MSQ, at least, it is parents of someone, right? We meet Munbrita's parents. They would be another example of that. Yeah, right. Uh, it's uh, true. I think uh, in the uh, stu- Studium Quest line, there is in the, uh, is it the, I think it's the Gathering one, the Botanist and Minor ones, there's the the girl and her professor, and they're totally into each other, and they get married in the end, which is super cool. Um there's- I mean, the Chais, who are a pretty prominent couple, but again, they kind of fulfill that parental role, in a sense, with Alphano. Sadu's parent, once again. Yeah, exactly, though. Like, and, and to, Not Sadu. Uh, who's Yugiri. Yugiri's parents. Yep, there I want to think Sadu. <laughs> uh, but, and to Rook's point, uh, the, the Chais, who, as far as I'm concerned, are the only couple in Yulemore. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a ton... I guess there are a few more than I thought there were, but like, there's just not a lot of romantic relationships in, uh, in Final Fantasy 14, and like that's especially strange on a place like the first, where you would think like all people would have left is each other. Mm-hmm. And particularly too, I mean, it feels like there are certain narratives where going that extra step within a romantic context, although of course relationships aren't just valid because of romance, and we all acknowledge that, right? It's just one of those things where I do think that love, in the many ways we feel it, can be really important. And there are moments where it almost seems as though that setup is really prominent. I mean, you brought up earlier Reen and Gaia, which was such a confusing thing to experience as an LGBTQIA plus player. Yes. Half of my feed, it was like, rainbow crystal canonical like real representation in the game they finally did it they're a couple and i got so excited because i was like yeah did they actually and i went and i played the quest and i went okay well hold on <laughs> kind All of the, yeah i was like this the setup is here the implications are here the context and discussion of love the fact that we discover that all of the Sin Eaters were themselves like warped perceptions of types of love that, you know, mm-hmm. were kind of twisted uh, between, oh, what was the what was the weird guy that was into Gaia? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Uh, Artemis. No, she was Artemis. Uh, no, she, no, she was Lowgriff. Uh, he, uh, he's was Artemis. Lowgriff. Yeah. What is his name? I'm trying to remember. I can get it for you. I got you. Um, he, some people interpreted his love as being, you know, oh, really sweet and heartfelt. And it seems like they really did love each other back in their past life. I, when I was going through the quest, I was like, oh, this man made me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yes. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and not only that, but I'm I'm sitting there like, if you take her away from Reen and get her together with a guy, I'll riot. Exactly. And so I was sitting there and I had so much trouble reading that as a player and especially as an LGBTQIA plus player, because in all ways, except for actually stated, it truly seemed to be kind of a metaphor of how her and Reen's support and love and care for each other had led to deeper love and that whatever the context of the past and whatever her relationship had actually been like, 
now for the person that she was, this was like the person she would grow and love and be with. And like, to me, the romantic context of that makes all the themes come together in a really beautiful way. But when you like kind of back out of it and like sort of don't do it, but like leave it there so people can kind of interpret it, but like don't actually canonicize it. But then also kind of, I was so confused getting through those quests where I just sat there going, oh, we got so close, but okay. okay." And not to accuse Essie of queer baiting, but kind of like... Essie, and I mean, maybe this is just, you know, obviously they're a Japanese company, uh, Japanese, uh, well, Japan as a whole still has a very, I would say, somewhat conservative and at times awkward relationship with LGBTQIA themes, um, especially um, uh, uh, WLW themes, uh, you know, in Japan that is very often seen as a very, it's a, it's a very childish thing and something you will eventually like, you know, let go of and you'll you know, go to marry a man like you should. Uh, it is, I guess, not wholly unsurprising, but Rook, I got to ask, because we mentioned it last week on the show, or how did you feel when you got, you know, when we went back to the first and you don't get to have a single mention of Gaia when you talk to Reen? <laughs> oh, it was weird. I mean, it was weird. I was glad that they at least did take us back for a nod because, mm -hmm. I mean, that was a big part of our story. And mm -hmm. of course, I completely understand. I don't think the focus of Endwalker was the first, right? They wrapped that. They were like, they yep. spent patches wrapping that narrative. And I have no doubt that the first may play a role in the future. But I was glad that they put in a little nod and a little something. And I think if you've done the Void Quests, you know that probably we're going to see those characters again. But it was sort of strange that, yes, like, Green doesn't even acknowledge. She doesn't say anything. Like, it's just this kind of thing. You don't see Gaia anywhere. It felt very much like they wanted to just keep that optional raid quest completely optional while also tying it into major repercussions for all of the lore of the first and or the entire future of the story in general. Right. I mean, for for a expansion in Endwalker that did so good at pulling out every little detail of something of something, like you, there are three different dialogue options you get if you've done Eureka to not get a single mention of the Eden quest line is was kind of weird but maybe I'm just crazy I was I mean, like I wouldn't even know because I never did Eureka uh well so <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of them. If you don't do Eureka, you get a whole different like set of dialogue for because you haven't touched Eureka. Mm -hmm. um, if you, and you get a different dialogue if you have entered but not um, finished it, and you get a final set of dialogue if you've done all of Eureka. And it's very unfortunate because even though they've made that much more accessible now, there's still no real true way to progress like i was even just trying to get the relic weapon recently in eureka because uh or the the relic gear because i had like started that process and hadn't finished it only to find out that like there was literally no way for me to get it unless i could be a part of an nm train because i was short on crystals and yeah. i think that so many people while there are ways to engage with that content and story so many people probably haven't played eureka but the amount of people that have played something like Eden is very different, especially when you consider the normal mode and or the ways that they have been tying in all of this side content into the major plot. 
So it did feel, I don't think you're wrong. It felt very strange to me that there wasn't really an acknowledgement of that. It even to this day still feels very strange to me that for such a huge revelation about the nature of the creatures that we faced on the first and or absorbed, that that's not even something that is addressed in the main story of Shadowbringers when you like look at the context of it all, because there's some huge stuff that's revealed in that and in that mm -hmm. raid set, even if you didn't, I, I didn't care for the overall storytelling, but there are some pretty big lore repercussions. Well, well, there definitely are. And I mean, we, we think back to like Alexander and what a major impact that ended up having on the story at large for a uh, raid cycle that at the time really kind of just felt like a random off story that didn't really apply to anything. And now we find out it's basically the driving motivation behind the entirety of Shadowbringers and ultimately what, you know, allows us to go to the past uh, in Endwalker as well. You talk about the importance of like finding out what we did about the Sin Eaters and what makes them and for a world of our own that is, you know, having trouble with Void Scent, like, and eventually we're going to talk about the Void. That all seems like very important stuff to have just locked behind your raid. I, I would like to say in Square Enix's defense. Sure. Or at least in the defense of the team that makes Final Fantasy XIV. I'm not going to defend Square Enix as a whole. Sure. Um, I don't think queer baiting is an accurate term here. Fair enough. Because if it was queer baiting, they would have done interviews where they were like, hey, you guys need to be excited to wait and see what the relationship between Gaia and Reen is. I, I, I will. I'll There's no with baiting. This. It's just kind of over there, way I in will. the distance, and it's blurry, and I need a telescope to see it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will counter with this. When Patch 5.4 came out, the FF14 Twitter, literally, the the, uh, the headline of it was, Red Alert, they're holding hands and focusing in on Reen and Gaia holding hands. That is yeah. very true. I remember that because I was really excited. Yeah, me too. Yes, and it was it was during like or right around Pride, wasn't it? I'm trying yeah, to remember. Sure was, because that would and, uh, five four would have been no, it would have had to be before Pride. It uh, must have been five four would have been around this time last year. I feel like I had this weird feeling that they had also done something with that ridiculous Pride mascot around that time, <laughs> but I don't remember exactly. All of this to say, yes, I think it's tough, right? Because there are obviously very different facets of Final Fantasy XIV as a whole that we experience as players where we are. So for example, right, the social media account that made that tweet may very well have been from the social media management of North sure. America, Final Fantasy XIV, Square Enix, right? So you have, theoretically, at least a team there who are more perhaps vocal about things like that or that you know given cultural contexts it, it's something that is spoken about although obviously in the west we have our own issues with representation in many other ways right and, mm -hmm. and other things right but to do so with an awareness of something that your community may truly want and crave and that might be very 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 important to certain um invisible people especially with this being a game that comes out of a country like japan but that is an international game where again it's like if you can take a stance and you can truly advocate and do something that is progressive is it a, a risk for your home country yes but is it also something that is really important and should be done yes so it's it's one of those things where it was i think a really in poor taste tweet especially given the context later on. And like I said, the actual story itself being all about 
love and like a romantic love and all these other kind of contexts that then time and all these other things that had happened had warped. And then you see this healing that's done with Gaia, where again, to read it in that way is something that I think is very valid. And to like read it as it being a story, a romantic story, especially between those characters is very valid. And to not actually have something that is canonical, <laughs> that like, yes, they are actually seeing each other and they love each other. It is very difficult. And while there are all these different facets, it's, it is just so complex because I think that's the closest we've come to seeing something like that in the game. And it feels like it did just fall short. I feel like it's lit. I don't know how you could possibly read their relationship other than a romantic love between the two. Yeah. I have no idea what, like, the only thing I can think of that they could possibly do to make it more explicit is to literally have the line, I love you, or a direct reference to that, which, as we've established, they don't do with any relationship in the entire fucking game. Yeah, that said, I'd still or, like them to do that, though. It would be great, but what I'm saying, what all I'm trying to say is that given the limitations that they're clearly operating under, yeah, I think they did a fantastic job. I think they went as far as they were able to go with that. I think that it's it looks like they pushed for that as hard as they could. They take a scene in the in the raid series that's themed after FF8. They take a scene from FF8 with the love interests in FF8 and they put those two in like yeah. it's the oh. literal scene animation everything like it would be great if there was overt and clear representation but i mean what my point is is if they keep doing it at this level they keep doing just this like yeah that would suck but we're three years from that like we're, th we're three years from the start of eden and right. like i just the perspective i'm coming from is i waste a lot of time on tumblr and what I see a lot there is people who underappreciate moments in media like uh, with Legend of Korra with the hand holding the final scene in the show. The famous oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. They underappreciate how important that was because we wouldn't get the stuff that we're getting now if right. that hadn't happened first. And I think this is what we're seeing with FF14. Because... I, I... I, what you're suggesting is we don't see Katra and Shira kiss if we don't get Korra and Asami being relegated to holding hands in the last five minutes. Exactly. Like, it's really cool how far society as a whole has come because, like, you remember early 2000s when gay was the biggest, like, the biggest insult in the middle school, right? Vividly. Like, yes. this is my point. Like, we're coming very far, and I think... I am not the arbiter of Japanese media or culture, but I don't know of any Japanese media that is more explicit, that is like not niche, right? That is more explicit about the, a relationship like that that's in the big limelight. I don't know if Square Enix ever released anything else like that. I don't think Capcom's ever released anything like that other than uh, Nico thinks Lady's Hot in DMC5, but that's yeah, a throwaway line. I mean, your LGBTQIA relationships in, in the entirety of Final Fantasy are less than stellar. I mean, Fang and Vanille. I mean, that's sweet. yeah, that was literally the one I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, but that's about it. Like, and now, I mean, listen, we're all looking at, fi at Final Fantasy seven are side eyed right now. Everyone's kind of looking at it like, are we are, are Aerith and Tifa? They what? fucking should, but they won't. <laughs> they, I, I, that's, I hope. that's queer baiting. That, that yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's please my let point. them have the balls. 
my point is like y you guys are completely correct and valid in your opinions on this i just wanted to voice that like yeah no it could be better but also i'm relatively glad with where it's at as it is because it could be so much worse listen i come from final fantasy 11 where to this day it is uh well let me check right now uh it is uh as we sit down to record this night it is currently february 9th 2022 for a game that came out in may 2002 and you still cannot get married if you are the same gender in final fantasy 11 wow. to this day you cannot get married there is no gay marriage in final oh. fantasy 11 and listen at this point i'm aware it's just because the system is built that way and they have four people and a monkey who work on that game now but like <laughs> at, at the same time it's crazy to think about how far it has come where now we look at final fantasy 14 and yes guess what both genders can wear the maid outfit and you can get gay married and as much as i would love to see them do a little bit more with the marriage system in this game I do, I would love if it, like, over this next 10 years, we're going to get to explore, like, hey, my Warrior of Light has grown and changed and is married now. That's the biggest thing I hope for, I think, going forward past Endwalker is, first of all, something of a time skip as we get into 7.0, because I would like to be able to write into Callie's backstory that she has grown and changed a bit, because you can only grow so much in... 14 months or however long it's been since the uh, since uh, we showed up in the future. And, man, I don't know. It, there's so much I would like to see them do going forward that would be, like, cool, monumental leaps forward and could potentially be major moments for LGBTQIA representation. Because if I can get gay married and make it canon uh, to the MSQ that my character is married... Well, congratulations, Square Enix. You've done it. You you made it. Yeah, and I mean, that would be that would be great. And I mean, I think it shows as well that if they were to do something like that, that they are acknowledging a wider, more global audience, and and not even just. I mean, because in Japan as well, you know, it, it's very important to have representation and a variety of representation. Right. But I mean, we've seen many discussions, and I myself have been a part of many discussions, whether it's about you know, BIPOC issues, or it's about uh, mm -hmm. representation of characters in the game as far as diverse looks, skin colors, hair textures, whether it's LGBTQIA plus representation. I do absolutely agree. And I think you made some really great points about the fact that there is progress and that there is clear progress. I think the problem is that a lot of our progress in mainstream media and games is so slow compared to the vast majority of cultural progress. And of course, that does not mean that like, hey, we're all in the future and, you know, there's no persecution of LGBTQIA plus people right. and all sorts of stuff. Like that's not it at all. But there is a huge active out there player base. There are groups now that have been around for years. I mean, that Kiss and or the couple that I was talking about in Guild Wars 2, they have been represented as a couple in this game and they had their first on-screen kiss in 2013 in Guild wow. Wars 2. Oh my God. So it's like, this is something that really honestly, a huge part of the player base has adapted you know like it is something that has been here for years and years and years it's just that the actual representation and or risks that many companies are willing to take have moved so slowly in that regard and it's taken a lot of people like podcasts like this streamers content creators advocates all sorts of people who are out there 
trying to make these portions of the community more visible, more understood, more integrated, as opposed to like shunned and relegated to our own little rainbow corners of the internet. Like, so it's, it is, it's tough because there is a lot here. We have those even canonical NPC characters. We have, like you said, I mean, I think very clear imagery. And yet the sheer amount of people that I saw even after those raids who were just like, they're just young girls who are friends. Yep. And oh my like, you know, who really- Oh my God, they were roommates. Oh my God, like, they were roommates. Truly believed that. <laughs> And yet it's so frustrating because that exact same portion of the player base will look at canonically underage characters and hypersexualize them. Mm -hmm. And yet then when we get an actual, like very well built out romance for two young women that would be like experiencing one of their first and most important relationships together, which is something I had in my life and many other people had, you know, before they were 18 or 21. Like, yep. It's one of those things where being clear does say something and it is something that pushes us forward. And that also says to those people who have not yet got the memo that like the gaming space is diverse and open and that the games we play support and encourage that. Like it is something that's really, really big and very important for visibility. So I do hope like, I do hope that, yes, like you said, we have that handhold, that step, that moment to something more. Um, I just hope it comes sooner, sooner rather than later, because I think there's a big part of the player base that for them, they still will always feel because of the mindset of the majority that unless it's made very clear that there's a space for them, that there is always reason to doubt that there may not be, you know? Listen, 7.0, five-year time skip. Now they're an out couple. Boom. Done. Did it. Love it. Listen, I, I love it. I, I, I think, Rook, you said it perfectly. I don't think I have a whole lot to add to that. Or, or in fact, nothing to add to that. So we're just going to leave it right there. I will say yeah, this. It's a good point to leave off, honestly. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, like it's perfect, right? Uh, I will well say done. this. We are going to have Koji on this show someday. That is my my goal. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will hound him at FanFest if we have to. We are going to have Koji on the show. We are going to ask him what primal he wants to sleep with, and we are going to ask him when we get a, a canon gay relationship. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but we, are, we, will, we will hound him. Like, listen, if you, everyone within the sound of my voice, you need to at Square Enix and let them know that, that Koji needs to come on the Warriors of Lust podcast. We are ready. I promise it will be simultaneously the most difficult and easiest interview he's ever gotten on a podcast. Because <laughs> I'm nothing if not easy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. From what I've heard about Koji Fox, he might upstage us, honestly. Yeah. I welcome him, please. Koji, if you're, if you're out there listening, and I know you are, you sexy man, you are going to come on our show and we, well... You know, come having multiple terms. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up tonight. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up tonight with another round of Wed Bed Behead, Serena's favorite game where I it make, I make uh, you all uh, make horribly difficult decisions about who you would like to wed, whom you would like to bed, and of course, for whom you would like to behead. We have done this in the past with Scions. We have done this in the past with Villain Knight. We've also done this in the past with The Dearly Departed, and we got a lot of feedback on that one. Uh, we are going to do tonight's theme on 
boss fights in Final Fantasy XIV. So to qualify for this list, it has to be someone you have fought in what would be deemed a boss fight. And we are going to start with round one, Primals. I was asked uh, the other day on Twitter, uh, canonically, who would my war- which primals would my warrior of light sleep with? And I answered like 17 of them. <laughs> I was built for this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so for round one, wed, bed, behead, Shiva, Queen Gunhilder, and Sophia. Three primals that you have to decide between. And Rook, as you are our guest, you're going to lead us off. Who would you like to wed? Who would you like to behead? And who would you like to bed? Why you got to come for me like this? You put three of the ones that I don't even want to choose between right uh-huh. on here. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I, all right. Sophia has my favorite theme music. It is one of my favorite bosses in the entire game. So I'm going to wed Sophia. Then I have a weakness for femurs. I can't help it. So You are in good company. Rook, I love um, you. <laughs> I love you too. I'm going to bed Queen Gunhilder, but I hate saying that I'm going to behead Shiva. Makes me mad, but it's all I've got. I was forced to do this. Callie, this is all your fault. <laughs> you could do the Serena classic, bed <laughs> Shiva, and then behead her. Sure. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Rook, good to know that you also have a uh, taste for women who could pick you up and break you over their head. we That is a, a common the- theme on this show. Serena, your turn. Oh, okay. Um, so, this one's kind of easy-ish for me. Um, it, it's primarily because I don't know a lot about Queen Gunnhilder, not to out myself in any content that I have not Someone hasn't beaten Boja. <laughs> I have not. Um, but I would wed Sophia. I absolutely love Sophia. I love fight. I have it memorized. I think I could still go in and do it like easy peasy. Um, I would bed Shiva and behead Queen Gunhilder, even though I learned she is a femro. I love her, but she has to go. Well, I mean, you're sticking close to canon, if nothing else. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I, oh boy. Uh, okay. I am going to bed Queen Gunhilder because, uh, aforementioned, pick me up and break me over your head, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to wed Shiva because, uh, I put her on my thirst down this week and I feel like I'd be betraying her to then behead her in, in this one. And here's my thing with Sophia. I I love the Sophia fight. It's one of my favorite fights in the entire game. I believe it is the first fight that I ever, like, uh, when it was brand new content, learned the EX of and did. Uh, And I I very much enjoyed that one. Um, But I'm pretty sure she's going to make me kill myself if (laughs) if I get with her for any particular length of time. She seems to have a habit of doing that. So... I'm 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 gonna behead Sophia uh, in in self defense if nothing else. <laughs> Draku. Okay, now I am completely correct on this, uh-huh. and there is no argument <laughs> against me, right? Because I am objectively right. I want everyone in the audience that is hearing this to know I am objectively right, and if you disagree, you're wrong. Uh huh. You wed <laughs> Shiva. For two big reasons. One, who else would ever be able to be so devoted? Like, she is almost the embodiment. She is the 
resummoning of the concept of a woman whose everything we know about her is based around how devoted and good she was. Yep, she became and a primal second, because she was so into well, her, her dragon friend. Because she was so into is, dragons. So I'd like to also use she When else? As- <laughs> when else will you ever cuck Race Felger? <laughs> when are you ever going to be able to go, I cucked a dragon? Never. <laughs> All right. I guess that's hard to argue with. I would kill to be able to walk up to him and just do a little dance and go, yeah, you got cucked. Deal with it, dragon. All right. What you going to do? We are going to get a Shiva shirt on the merch store that says I cucked Race Felger on it. <laughs> Good. Do a little Jiraku in the background, Jerry Good. Good. Now, for the bed. Yeah. I'm looking at Queen Gunhilder, and I need you to understand, I had to do a Google image search. You might have heard my keys tap tapping in the background a bit ago, because I uh, decided not to waste my time on Bosja. What do you mean, waste I your time? Hate, it's so good. I hate Eureka, well, and no matter how many times people try to tell me it's better, I don't care. Okay. Um, and so here's the deal. Between betting Queen Gunhilder or Sophia... Uh, if you want to bed Sophia, that or if you want to bed Queen Gunhilder, you have to do Bosja and fuck that. And also, Sophia's the type of crazy where she'll be like, you'll be like, man, I have a problem. And she'll be like, kill everyone around you and then yourself. That's the solution. <laughs> and that crazy is going to be wild in the sack. <laughs> and then you get the fuck out. I was say, Jiraku, they tell you you're not supposed to stick your dick in that. And they I'm are sorry. wrong and cowards. I feel as though Sophia is being slandered, and I, I need to take a moment here. Sophia is all about equilibrium. So if anything, she gonna make sure that everybody is taken care of equally oh. and that everyone has a good time. And if her weird beheaded daughter is watching you from the corner, so be it. Sometimes you make sacrifices for a good time. Exactly, okay. Rook. Exactly. Right. I'm with Rook. She might exactly. be a primal of equilibrium, but her idea of equilibrium was like, um, yeah, my husband's awful. I have an idea. Kill yourself. And then her daughter shows up and she's like, hey, my mom's dead and I'm real sad. I have an idea. Kill yourself. That was that is that is Sophia's oh, no, no. that is her one step plan. Dad. Then kill, kill yourself. Your dad, and then yourself. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great story. That was super happy. So <laughs> you wed that- Shiva, you behead Queen Gunhilder, and you bed Sophia, and then get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Run is- real fast. All right. Draku is in for a one and done on Sophia. Got it. <laughs> correct. All right. Round number two. Low Raid bosses. So, this one I thought was particularly tough. From hailing from... O twelve, Omega male female. Your pick from E nine, the returning cloud of darkness. Drock is looking up what Omega female looks like. Good, and I'm looking up what the E nine cloud of darkness looks like. Oh. Oh. Okay, so here's oh. what, okay. Hold up. I'll, oh, I'll it's inter- just Dissidia. Okay, let me let me re- reintroduce the last one, and then I got something to say about E nine, uh, and then T nine nail deuce darkness. Now, I don't know who that is. Okay, well, look her up. She's in uh, uh, Binding Quail Bahamut, turn nine. Uh, she was also very important in 1.0. Uh, 
Cloud of Darkness in E9 is our canon, cannot be disputed proof that the Warrior of Light is thirsty. Because when <laughs> they awesome. when they said to the Warrior of Light, okay, what do you remember about the Cloud of Darkness? She went, boobs. <laughs> that is what she remembers. Ramu was already proof of that. Uh, you know what? You're not wrong. Though I would like to point out something that I think is absolutely hysterical about Ramu that I realized. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's that the reason that he's super hot and also Ixion is because in Ramu EX, the status effect that he hits you with is seduced. Mm, that's oh, true. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Hmm. All right. So for the raid bosses, I'll lead it off this time. I'm going to say for the uh, bed, it's going to be Cloud of Darkness for almost the same reasons as Sophia. <laughs> she's she's nihilistic. The world's about to end. And you know she's looking for one more good time before all of existence is snuffed out. Uh for wed it's gonna be omega male female uh for me omega female uh because listen they're looking for like the pinnacle of existence and frankly that's me so i am exactly what they're looking for and behead nail deuce darnest because if i have to ever do that fight again i will cry <laughs> serena what do you got <laughs> um so i don't remember <laughs> nailed these darnest so like i'm starting off with behead i'm gonna behead them <laughs> okay well uh, if it helps uh you also see nail in uh ruby weapon um yeah i've only done that one <laughs> fair enough then um i was like i looked them up i was like i don't i have like no memory of this that also might be like my bimbo brain talking so <laughs> Jesus, Serena. it might be my bimbo <laughs> brain a t-shirt uh, like yeah, that might, might be my bimbo brain talking. Yeah, we we should get that as a t-shirt. <laughs> um, or a face I... mask. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, kind of very similar to you, actually, Callie. I was going to behead the Cloud of Darkness uh, because she's, like, really good at, like, sucking on things. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. How y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna wed Omega. Yeah, welcome, female. welcome to the Warriors of Lust podcast. I feel so at home. Yeah. <laughs> You're always welcome. Uh, all right, Rook. Uh, where where do you stand on the raid bosses? I mean, I think there's there's definitely some overlap here. Omega MF definitely would marry because I am aggressively pansexual. And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the idea of having partners that could turn into some sort of amorphous um, mercurial mass and then yeah. reform into any shape, gender, configuration, I'm like that's very good for me. And mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. personally, I would be happy, you know, for the rest of my days and all yeah. of their days. So I feel pretty good about that. Also, they just, their designs are on fire. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. Um, and yes, I would, I would be very into that. Uh, then I think I'm actually going to have to go even though I don't care that much about this character, nor do I really have a connection to 1.0 with this character like many people did, but I think I'm going to have to bed Niall because as I revealed earlier, I'm sort of into dragons. And I think that the draconic, pseudo-draconic hybrid mashup shenanigan that Niall becomes 
is kind of hot and I'm sort of into it and I'd be fine if she laid me down and covered me with those wings and that's all I'm saying so I probably bet and then probably have to kill because of the reasons that have been pointed out by everyone um then I guess I would behead cloud of darkness because she's fine but I don't I'm kind of indifferent you know she's all right I'm not that ex- I don't I don't know she doesn't do it for me just fine all right all right I I think it's fair. I I think like like you say, Niall is. If you played 1.0, there's a very big attachment uh, to that character because I mean they were a very important villain in it. And if you didn't, she's shown up a whole bunch of times and never been super important. So uh, all right, Draku, where are you what are you doing? Blah blah. I'm always right. Okay, so yeah. Wed cloud of darkness because you're all cowards. And having that level, first off, power is hot. Second off, goths are hot. Third, um, darkness. Now, I'm going to tell you, it would be an even harder wed if it was the one from the 24-man raid, but it's not. So we're just going to deal with it's just the Decidia model. Yeah. That's still really hot, and I'll take that. All right? Dark powers are really sick. She has some crazy tentacle shit going on. I'm here for that. I'm good with that. Let's do it all the time. Bed nail Deus Darnus because everything you said, Rook, is correct. Wrap me in those wings. Let's do this now. <laughs> all right. All right. You are right. You are right. All the time, right? Behead, behead Omega because don't go near that kind of crazy. All right. Look. <laughs> I'll bang the kind of crazy that's like, but you don't bang the kind of crazy that's like, I'm going to genocide everything. That's not the crazy that you bet. You don't get that. You don't keep that away. Mm -mm. Okay. All right. (laughs) It's hard to argue with, I suppose. Uh, All right. I I like to think that Omega was only sort of, well, (laughs) into genocide. Kind of, because... He didn't understand. They didn't understand, you know? They just didn't get it. So they had to just be shown and taught why life was important. It was all from a place of self-defense, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, destroying your enemies before they could destroy you, as we now know. So, like... Yeah, like Garlemald. They just needed to be shown a different way. And that's not to excuse anything, because obviously a lot of really bad stuff happened. But I have faith that at least some of us here could show them the way forward. I, Look, I that's a robot. Okay. You don't know that it's not going to fall over, bop its head against a wall, and immediately forget all of the good things and just go genocide mode. You kill it, <laughs> it's done. It's over. No more genocide. All right. Rock not into Skynet. I've just been seeing you get the best of both worlds with Omega, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> So. All right, round number three. We're moving on to the Kami. We have three uh, very important gods that show up in the Stormblood questline, those being Suzaku, Byako, and Seryu. Garaku, you get to lead us off this time. Oh, of course. The one where I had to fucking look to confirm. Okay. Um, so I never did the Seryu fight. He's um, a sexy snake guy. He's a snake I, I, I looked up and I see that he is a sexy snake guy. Yeah. Um... Okay, so first off, uh, Suzaku. Hmm. 
<laughs> okay. You definitely bed Suzaku because she can move them legs. Uh, Fa Phantom Flurry is, the, is the best move yeah. in this game. So yeah, exactly. You're right. That's why I'm a blue mage. Yep, um, same. But you don't want to wed that because she crazy as shit and never, <laughs> ever, 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 ever got over the other guy and would just never shut up about it. And she you don't want to be married. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to marry someone that's going to spend the whole ass marriage just ranting about how much they liked their ex. Comparing you to their ex. Mm -mm. I don't want that. Um, and then as far as wed or behead, uh, I'm going to have to say that Biako's fight theme is kind of just okay. And wow. Serio has snake tentacles. Oh my god. So I'm going to go for the wed with Serio, who I know absolutely nothing about as a character, <laughs> and then behead Suzak or sorry, Biako. Uh, because if nothing else, that white tiger rug would look really good on the wall, I guess. <laughs> you could, like, throw that at the foot of the bed, maybe? Yeah. You warm at night. Wow. All right, Serena, resident monster fucker, <laughs> let us know. Tell us, tell us where we're wrong. Oh, my God. I can't get over rug right now. That's horrible. Okay. Um, so, um, I love Suzaku. She, you know, she just she needs some love. But uh, I really uh, like Fiakio, Fiakio, and Teru just a little bit more. Wow. I know, I know, you are I know. All doing Suzaku dirty. I know, I know. I love fight and everything like that, but she got to go. Oh my gosh. All right. So it's um, Behead Suzaku. I'm going to um oh god. I'm really torn between Snake Daddy and, and Tiger Lion Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, Tiger Daddy. Yeah. Whose man Sona is hotter? That's the decision maker. Okay, so I would marry Biako. Okay. And bed say to you. All right. I like it. Well, here's the thing. Unlike you two degenerates, <laughs> I am a catch. And when Suzaku gets with me, she's going to forget all about Tenzin. That is going to be the last thing on her mind. So I'm going to wed Suzaku. And as for which of Byako and Sari, I'm going to bed or in behead. I'm very much torn on tentacle fun or getting my internal organs moved around by Biako. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Draku's over here thinking like, oh, which one's handsomer? Who cares which one's handsomer? It's which kink do I want to indulge in? <laughs> uh, hey, I pointed out the tentacle thing. I mean, you did. My opinion is very clear. Plot <laughs> of darkness, Seryu. I'm consistent. Yeah, you have a, you have a type that you like. Uh, I'm I'm a go with Saryu as well because I just don't I don't get to enough uh, opportunity to be on the submissive side of a tentacle session so I'm gonna go with Saryu for bed and behead Biako. Damn my man's. <laughs> Your man's. <laughs> All right, Rook, you have the final say on this one. I mean, you and I have very similar tastes, which makes yes. you uh, a classy, classy, refined woman. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I, which is not what I am, but you know what? <laughs> no, I think I think you and I are both uh, degenerates, and we're yeah, you know, that would be correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're good. But you know, whatever the case, I am gonna wed Suzaku because yes. I cannot believe that anyone here would not wed Suzaku. <laughs> this woman loved this once bird loved someone so truly and so earnestly and so purely that she literally made herself into a person to love them. Like, that is going the extra mile for your partner. And now it did take longer than she expected, and he had died by the time it happened, (laughs) which is also incredibly devastating. Yes. So while, yes, her heart once belonged to another, I don't really believe that she ever, ever got to really have the love that she deserves and needs. And just like a phoenix rising from the ashes, she's going to be reborn and she's going to be reborn as my wife. And we will love each other <laughs> for all time and she will kick the heads off my enemies. So obviously I'm going to marry her. Okay. Then I'm going to bed, Seiryu, because he's a snake centaur. I'm kind of curious about what is happening with all that. Mm-hmm. So I would like to get in there and just figure it out. <laughs> you know? I love really, this. I'd love to prog that fight if you. Can. Oh my god! <laughs> I also would like to prog. That fight. Uh, so <laughs> I'm really curious about all of that, and I'm into it. Um, and I'd kill Biako because although I do look, I like Biako and his weapons are some of my favorite from the whole set. I think they're cool designs and he's fun, but I cannot get over the really super dummy, thick, weird tiger arm. It makes me uncomfortable looking at it. And I think to some people, they'd maybe be into it. But like, to me, I just, I don't like it. And I also like for my partners to have like a sense of humor and fun. And Biako says no more games, way more than I would like. I want it to only be games and good times and just to really enjoy everything. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say, I guess I'll behead Biako. All right. I love it. All right. My man, he's going down. We're going to do this last one real quick because we are running out of time here. So round four is trial fights. And those are going to take us into Sukiyomi, Heidelin, and the Warrior of Light. Uh, We will start with... I don't think I've gone first yet, so I'll go first on this one. Uh, I am going to say, uh, easy enough, behead the Warrior of Light, even though I do want him to LB4 inside me. Um, I'm going to say, uh, bed Sukiyomi. She is exactly the right kind of crazy to spend a wild night with. And she's the Lady of the Moon, so you know she's going to be great uh, at, at nighttime. And, of course, Mommy Heidelin, my dearest, whom I love so very, very much, I would wed. Uh, we'll go to Jiraku next. Uh, wed Sukiyomi 100% without question. I can fix her. It'll be great. She's hot. <laughs> She's the best. Uh-huh. Uh, Yatsuyu is the best character. Being a god is purely an upgrade. Sick. Awesome. Uh, behead Heidelin. <gasps> because that fight was rad. And she clearly is sick of being around or she wouldn't have saved up a whole bunch for the last big throwdown that she could die at. You take Obviously, that back. I'm, I'm just giving her what she wants. <laughs> and then you bed warrior of light because when you bed warrior of light, you don't bed warrior of light. You bed warrior of light and then like 40 other people. And that's pretty great. I mean, if you're, you if you want a gangbang, yeah. All of them are hot. 
Just drowning in a sea of hotness. Yeah, great. But also fuck a little bit, so I don't want to stick around. Okay, fair enough. Serena. (laughs) Okay, I would wed Tsukiyomi deserves another chance she just she just needs the support so sukiyomi i'm wedding her she will, will be beautiful it'll be a beautiful spring wedding um <laughs> oh it's going really to be a long about night this before this question yeah i love her so much <laughs> i love her so much i feel like serena has one of those like wedding planning books and there's a few pages dedicated to sukiyomi in it i love she's just she deserves so much even though I love Xenos, but she deserves so much. Anyways, I bed Heidelin. And then she could go do whatever else she wants to do. <laughs> but go. we're getting one night with her, damn it. At least one night with her. And then I would behead Warrior of Light. I'd probably like do like, you know, like my wed behead. Not wed behead, my bed behead. Ah. You know? Because Serena can't ever just kill someone. She has no. to bed them first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I just want to say to anyone out there wondering, if you bed Serena, you have a 50-50 shot, apparently. (laughs) Of her killing you. Some serious Black Widow vibes going on here. You okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, Rook, you get the final say on Wed Bed Head this week. Oh, I mean, again, I have to refer to those of us here who have taste. And what I would say... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there wasn't even one giggle so i just felt like a huge jerk <laughs> you know? i giggled don't I worry giggled. it's in the audio <laughs> oh yeah we finished the episode like oh we're never gonna have work on again did you hear that comment <laughs> are you kidding i'm getting ready to fire someone and hire you god damn it's me i'll, I'll see y'all later i stand um, by killing <laughs> no that's no, who it is I will fight you to the death. I would wed Heidelin clearly. Is yes. there, there is not even another option on this list. Come on. Vinat Granted is one of my absolute favorite characters in this entire game. I resonate with her so hard. I want to be her. I also want to marry her. I just, I don't know. It's very complicated. I love her though. She is the witch button meme right there. I was going to say, you don't know if you want to be her or be in her. It's a hard choice. I mean, gosh, she's been so long being inside the planet. It's time that somebody gets to be inside <laughs> She thinks that she has nothing left and that she's ready to like move on to the next life. Not once she gets with me. She's not going to think that. Exactly. I'm going I'm to prove to her that I'm worth another 80 years on this planet. I'm just saying, I want to travel with her and spar with her forever. She loves animals. She like, come on, this woman is incredible. She is a literal goddess and also the goddess of my heart, and I adore her. Yes. Um, I would bed Tsukiyomi because I do also love Yotsuyu, and I love Tsukiyomi, and I think that would be, as was said earlier, yes, the <laughs> it's going to be a long night. It would be a great <laughs> night, and I would never forget it. Um, and then, unfortunately, although I do like his design, I am going to have to behead the Warrior of Light. Because, really, when held up against these other just sheer powerhouses of women, Elidibus is great and fine, and, like, I get But, like, those two just are so good that he really didn't have a chance, and I just kind of feel sorry for him, ultimately, you know? Yeah, listen, I feel sorry for him, but not enough to not cut his head off. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of <laughs> where it's at. 
All right, that's where we're going to have to wrap it up for this evening. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We so appreciate having you along. As always, we want to remind you that the best way that you can help the show grow is to leave us a review and to share it with a friend. Give a friend the gift of lusty thirst. Like, it, what more? If this episode doesn't prove to you how worthwhile this show is listening to, I don't know what will. So uh, we want to say a big thank you to everyone who's tuned in and listened. Make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow us at W-O-L-C-A-S-T-X-I-V. We want to send a big thank you to our special guest, Rookery, our first guest. Rook, thank you so much for coming on and joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to thirst with you all, to sass with you all, to have a good time together and talk about some important things. Absolutely. Where can people find you? Yep, you can find me everywhere at Rookery, R-O-O-K-U-R-I. Formerly Bird of Chess, but we just had a rebrand at the end of last year. Uh, I am a variety MMO player, but I mostly play Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2. I've had the pleasure of being a part of the media tour this past year. I also did a cover of Answers, so maybe I was a little bit in cosplay, dressed as Vinat. So maybe I was a little bit (gasps) biased towards that, but uh, we've got a lot of great stuff up on YouTube, and I stream over on Twitch. Uh, Like mentioned before i am also a co-host of gamer escapes aetherite radio podcast and the guild wars 2 podcast the Lightbringers. and i just love playing games making accessible spaces where everybody's welcome and talking about important issues uh such as mental health and lgbtqia plus talk uh topics excellent make sure you check out uh rookery she's an amazingly talented streamer and just a wonderful human being i do need to remind everyone once again that we do officially have merch available so if you want to show off your lusty legion pride you can uh, head on over to streamlabs.com slash escalia slash merch that's e-s-k-a-l-i-a we've got some serena jiraku and cali merch all available over at streamlabs.com slash escalia slash merch check it out uh if you uh haven't already make sure you take a look at the patreon you can get the episode early every other week uh at patreon.com slash escalia any amount given on the patreon uh gets you access to the episodes on friday instead of on sunday and it also gets you access to the pre-show discussions that we do uh when we just show up and turn on the mics and just talk about random crap for the ne- for 20 minutes or so so they're a lot of fun uh pretty ridiculous but a good time make sure you can check that all out at uh patreon at patreon.com slash escalia uh i want to send a big thank you of course to serena and to jiraku serena where can people find you um so you can find me on fantasy twitter at the purple goth zayla and you can also find me on twitch at kieran rose which is k-y-r-a-n-r-o-z-e and jiraku where can people find you you can find me on the t-shirt that you're going to go buy so that everyone knows how cool and awesome I am. <laughs> also, you can Perfect. message me on Discord if you think that you need a comedy article written, but you're too much of a lazy bastard to write it for yourself, and you have money. That sounds like a, something that might have actually happened. Uh, for legal reasons, no, it oh didn't. Oh my gosh. Okay, for legal reasons, it didn't happen. <laughs> Fair enough. And you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A, and the Twitch channel of the same name. If you haven't already, make sure you join the layer of the Escasuals Discord, where there is a Warriors of Lust chat, and you can hang out with me, Serena, and Jiraku. Uh, We love to talk about what happened on recent shows and answer questions and just chat about things in general. We've had people uh, issue us corrections or things that they just felt should be added, and we like to go back and 
add things in if we uh, just blatantly miss something. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, we like to make sure we make mention of it. That's going to be it for this week's episode. Until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful tonight, a safe tomorrow, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Warriors of Lust podcast is part of the Limit Break Radio Network and created by the support of its listeners, including patrons like Claret Corrin. Views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of Callie Page, Serena Hima, and Jiraku Drake and are in no way affiliated with Square Enix. Opening and closing themes provided by Kurai Kuromu. Check them out on Twitter at Kurai Kuromu. If you want to support the Warriors of Lust podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash and make sure to follow us on Twitter at WOLCastXIV.